Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot On Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. Creeping up on 106 here in the capital city. Brendan Escott this week on Oilers Now. Next week as well. That's the plan. Oilers Now brought to you by Digitex. Digitex Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. We're having a blast on today's show. I don't know if you are listening at home or your car, wherever you are. I am in the studio. We had some great storytelling from Pat Micheletti there on Herb Brooks from back in the late 70s at the collegiate ranks. uh, Talking to Tyler Benson about his new uh, one-year deal, two-way, $750,000 at the NHL level. I did have somebody text in and uh, wonder whether it was that full salary at the AHL level as well. It's not. Uh, I don't have the exact, but usually it's, I mean, for him being on uh, another deal, it'll be a little bit higher, but typically anywhere between 70, 90, 100,000 down down in the American League, but uh, I don't know that for sure, so take that with a grain of salt. I can just tell you with certainty, 750k only at the NHL level. Uh, yeah, you can keep in touch with us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line anytime you'd like. 780-496-0063. Get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors. 143rd Street, 111th Avenue. Open Monday to Saturday. We're on Twitter as well, at Oilers Now. Bob, at Bob underscore Stoffer. Myself, at Brendan Escott. With two E's, Escott with two T's. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Cody Jansen, at Janner31 underscore. Uh, an old saying in the car business as well. Cars cost less in Wetaskiwin, but Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin is committed to providing unequaled automotive excellence, resulting in completely satisfied lifetime customers. If you currently have a vehicle you're not using enough, payments or an interest rate that's too high, you're looking to sell it, refinance it, maybe trade it in for something different, go visit Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford or call them 1-877-477-3673 or visit brentridge.com. Champions Week replay rolls on. Kevin Lowe, now a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame, current vice chair of the Oilers Entertainment Group and a real jack-of-all-trades when it comes to Oilers hockey in this city, from player to uh, general manager, uh, 
ambassador, all of the above. He chatted with Bob a while back. Let's get right to it. Well, hello, Kevin. How are you doing? I'm good, Bob. How are you? Good. We just had Berkey on the show, and okay. he's just texted me to say, please pass along a, a hello to uh, uh, Kevin uh, for me. I tried to get Burke uh, to uh, give us the inside scoop on the Hall of Fame stuff, and he went uh, very silent, barely quickly. So he shut me down, and I tried. I tried to pry that window open. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, it's uh, I, I know for a while you and Brian had, had a bit of a, a battle going, but obviously a number of years ago you guys patched things up and uh, it's amazing how uh, uh, you know time time at times can heal all wounds can it Kevin yeah no question yep yep no we're all we're back in the good books yeah hey uh, on the day that you guys won and this is the, between March 24th and March 31st uh, or sorry May uh, 24th and May 31st, four of the Oilers' five Stanley Cup championships uh, took place in terms of taking a trip down memory lane. And we'll get to some of those. But I put a tweet out on May 19th when you won the uh, first cup uh, against uh, the New York Islanders. And Sandy Nesbitt uh, tweeted me back, to, uh, who used to run overtime brother in tap room, and said, Stoff, I think the boys ended up at Jester's that night, and Mark Missy may have left at 10 o'clock in the morning, which is thoroughly impressive that a guy could run. Uh, uh, go, when, you, when you think back of it, do you, do you kind of chuckle a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, some of, the, some of the legendary experiences you had celebrating the Stanley Cup championship with the fans in town? There's still a lot of them firmly firmly ingrained. A lot of them have been erased uh, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but certainly a guy like Sandy Nesbitt, uh, who's been a big, uh, well, been a friend and and uh, very active in the restaurant and bar scene in Edmonton for many a decades, would, he would have one of the better recollections. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I do recall going to Jester's. Uh, place downtown and uh, amongst other places but the uh, yeah you know it was a different era I think I think uh, I know when Mark and I showed up uh, at the Bruin Inn in St. Albert one afternoon uh, there was I think just the barkeep there and it took a couple hours before the place filled up Uh, of course nowadays you show up with the Stanley Cup it'd be filling filled probably in five or ten minutes because of uh, social media media. but um, yeah so we're we're able to have a lot of fun with the cup not that they don't nowadays but it seems to be a little more scripted and uh, a little less uh, just you know things uh, rolling out naturally on uh, on this date in 1985, Paul Coffey, the underrated Charlie Huddy, uh, each had a goal and two assists. Wayne scored twice. You guys uh, rallied from 3-1 down to beat Philly 5-3. And that was in game four of the series. Of course, you won in game five. Um, it was 8-3 to the final score, and that was uh, on May the 30th. So I guess that's on Saturday. Uh, you, you won that first cup against the Islanders. The, game, the series against Philly... Kevin, that was that was a closer series than maybe four to one. Sort of the first four games were not blowouts, and then you smoked them in game five. Is there something specific you remember remember about that matchup against the Flyers at that time? Well, I think the, um, I mean, the Flyers were pretty young. Sort of uh, had the, you know, not that anybody's just happy to be there, but uh, um, unlike the the two previous series against. A seasoned Islanders team where we lost in '83 and then winning in '84. This this was our third Cup appearance. Uh, we're still relatively young ourselves, but uh, 
when I say young, the Flyers were young, and they, they were just pretty inexperienced. We had, you know, our team was rolling on all cylinders, and um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, beating the Flyers um, in, in, sorry, beating the Islanders rather in '84 was a little more difficult. Yep. Yeah, but I think we had we we definitely had series in '85 prior to the Flyers that were 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 a harder series. Chicago in six, as an example. I mean, that series was tied two two at one point. May thirty first, eighty seven. Kevin, one of the fav- my favorite days of my entire life. I loved it. I was in Clearwater, BC, watching. I know we've sh- shared some stories on that day and night. Uh, for one of the one of the moments for me, of course, you guys, uh, Steve Smith, and we're. I think we might have Steve on the show tomorrow. Uh, Steve banked one in off here. We had Grant on the show on uh, Tuesday, uh, but I just remember you, uh, you guys, Wayne, giving the Stanley Cup championship to Steve Smith. And it was, to me, such an illustration of what your team was about. You know what I mean? Like, it was redemption for Steve and the sheer, unadulterated joy on his face when he got that cup from Wayne. That was an awesome moment. It, it, uh, it's one of, the, uh, one of the great moments for sure. And, you know, to be honest, there, there hadn't been much discussion about it um, because... Um, for whatever reason, you know, I think I think Steve had parked that as a distant memory. You know, his career had gone on and got you know even got better. And I said recently in 1990, he was a, a beast on defense in that Boston series. But yep. but uh, he had established himself, paid his dues, and uh, but you know, so fitting, of course, for Wayne to hand it to him. But also, that's Wayne to a T. You know, always thinking ahead thinking you know i mean most guys would go to the rink that night just hoping they'd win the hockey game not really planning ahead but you know wayne would go you know he's always thinking okay if we win what do we got to do and and um and handing the cup to steve was was pretty memorable uh you guys were up 3-1 in that series I maintain the 87 team was your best team. You just ran up against the best goaltender. Ron Hextall ended up winning the con smite. Now, in fairness to Flyers, they rallied from three two-goal deficits in that series to win games. But to me, Hextall played part of it because you guys had chances in all those games to put them away, and he kept on letting them hang around. Was there any nervousness uh, going into Game 7 coming back to Edmonton, knowing that the Flyers had rallied from the 3-1 deficit to tie it? Yeah, I mean, when you when you put yourself in that position, we all know anything can happen. It's a one-game affair. I mean, we were down one nothing early in Game Seven, and I think we had a penalty to kill off. We could have gone easily, could have gone down two nothing, and who knows? Uh, it was such a close game at the very end. But you're right. Uh, I remember particularly in Game Six where we got up two nothing, and and it, you know it could have been five nothing. It was men and boys and. Uh, in the uh, first period, I believe it was, and thinking to myself, well, th- I mean, this is over now. They were, I mean, yeah. they weren't throwing much back, and then all of a sudden they snuck one in and got another, and then the game was tied and and got a bit of a lucky one for the winner. And when you get to a game seven, anything could happen. But, uh, you know, again, I think our experience, you know, we sort of we knew how to pe- play press the uh, rinse and repeat button and, and dial up a, uh, a you know a veteran 
type of, of game where, you know, the, the key is that... You... With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Got to stay attacking, but you can't. You know, you also got to recognize that every mistake is uh, can end it all. So, having been there enough, I think we're. You know, the dressing room was full of that kind of experience. We're celebrating uh, the sort of a Stanley Cup uh, championship week, the anniversaries of all the letters, uh, four of the five championships between May 24th to the uh, 31st. I want to go to uh, 1988, uh, and the, the, the anniversary was on the 26th uh, in 88, and that's because the lights went out on the 24th in Boston, uh, and I've asked each of the guests this so far, what was it like being in that room? In 88, you're up three games, nothing in the series. You just tied to tie the game at 3-3. How long were you guys in the room? Uh, and did you think in your wildest dreams when the, when the lights initially went back that you're going to have to fly back to Edmonton to play a restarted uh, game four right from the beginning? It, no, not at all. I had no idea. Nobody knew initially. It was bizarre. And I think at it, about it now, I mean, with all that's going on in the world, uh, 9-11 and, you know, um, episodes in the world that everyone's uh, senses are a little, you know, a little more keener to this is odd. I think we would have been a little more nervous sitting in that dressing room. I mean, the building, from what I understand, I mean, people were, there was quite a bit of panic for people to try to get out of the building. And, you know, we were fortunate we could walk right off the ice into our dressing room and right. all that we had some flashlights, so we, we were we felt safe. But uh, the longer it went, it was more like, okay, should we be exiting the rink here? Should we get out of our gear? It was it was really uh, it was a surreal experience. Uh, you get back to Edmonton, and they scored first. Boston did in Game Four, part two, but you blew them out. Like you 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 know, and the team ended up technically being sixteen and two in the 88 team yet i think the 87 team's the best uh a lot you know the fans voted the 85 team is the 88 team maybe overlooked because it didn't come in first in the regular season but i mean you beat the number one team in the regular season calgary in four straight uh montreal came in second they got beat uh, during the east playoffs and you beat boston who finished fourth and you guys were third so you beat the two best teams that were left in sweeps. Do you think that 88 team necessarily gets its due or do they get overlooked at times? Well, now that you brought it up, <laughs> with those stats, I'd have to agree with you. But no, we, we, we've often felt, we've talked about it, that the 87 team, and just based on personnel, not so much right. how, the, how, how it went throughout the playoffs. But I think from the time Ken Nielsen walked into the dressing room and Ray Horetzelainen was with the team again, 
uh, I, I think we only lost two or three games uh, combined regular season in the playoffs. And, and really it was that, you know, the team had two, well, really two number one lines. And then, you know, Paul Coffey was still uh, was still around in 87 on the back end. Then you had Russell and then, you know, the, the team had everything. Uh, and it was it was really it was the last year of having all the Hall of Famers on the same team. So um, that that's the team we feel is best. But '88 was it was was a damn good team as well. Kevin, can you uh, set the record straight? I heard a story that Kent Nielsen uh, came to the Oilers, and I forget which Oilers player he said this to. He said, "I can go at center ice right now with five pucks and hit the crossbar uh, four to five times." And somebody said, "Go ahead, do it." And he went four for four and just skated off the ice. Is that a true? St- yeah. Is that is that a true story? Well, he was the magic man, no question. I mean, his his skill level was was uh, you know was head and shoulders above above ninety nine point nine percent of the guys in the National Hockey League then and today. Uh, the thing that I really ad- admired or, or found interesting with him is that he would have in his stick rack. He would have all different lengths of sticks, curves, flex, and he would just literally walk by the stick rack and grab any stick. And I always thought he was just joking around. And then, and, and, and literally, he said, I said, well, because, you know, just about every other player is so uh, finicky and a fanatic about their stick. Same flex, same length same curve you know they, they maybe adjust a little bit throughout the season if things aren't going well but so uh you know in other words they just don't want to change certainly not mid-season and and he he would have a he could go out with a short stick with a big curve or a long stick with no curve and he said it doesn't matter my game doesn't change so uh he, he was a talent all right uh 1990 and the anniversary of you guys winning the cup in 1990 was on may 24th uh you played Five games against Boston, they scored eight goals combined in the five games. They did win game three to Edmonton. John Bice scored 10 seconds in. Uh, 2-1 victory. You never gave up more than two goals in any of the five games. Uh, you mentioned Steve Smith being a horse going up against Cam Neely. How You didn't have Wayne, and you guys all think the world of Wayne. But what did that mean for the rest of your group to win a Stanley Cup championship without having the greatest player in the history of the game? And did you win it differently? And all you need to do is look at the defensive numbers during that series. Yeah, we well, we still had a potent attack. You know, he still had Messier and Anderson and Curry. And, um, you know, by then, um, and Craig Simpson, of course. Yeah. You know, lots of guys that could score. And then, but then, of course, the, the, the kid line, you know, they were all top draft picks and become, they started to become legitimate um, solid NHLers, so you know, uh, y- until a team wins, the, the the pieces of the team don't really get recognized. Uh, relative to winning without Wayne, it, it was never it was never discussed, uh, but no question in the backs of our minds, we're thinking, you know, as you get closer to winning, it's like, well, this will really validate the group of guys that that stayed behind behind and then also mess had been such a great leader you know with wayne and then had become the leader 
of the team and the guy that you know so i think particularly the guys have been with him for a lot of years really really relished the idea of of mark hoisting the cup uh because he deserved that recognition that 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 wayne uh had received for all those years and rightfully so but mark deserved you know an equal amount of of appreciation for what he did for the Oilers, for the city for the organization and for his teammates that uh that, that was kind of a defining moment for us as well of course you would later win with mark in new york we're joined by kevin lowe he co-authored the book champions bit of a curveball just to close off with you kevin at the 2006 trade deadline uh you guys had an availability at the old office and you said to me after stuff look what happened with calgary two years ago you just have to get in that was when you know the day you guys had acquired uh, Rollison and Spachek, I believe. Uh, I thought I think you got turns from a day earlier, uh, or maybe Samsonov. I'm trying to might have been uh, Rollison and Samsonov. Anyhow, you said anything can happen. You can just get in. It was. Do you, do you look back at the 2006 run and reflection? Uh, there's a whole new generation of Oilers fans, Kevin, that have been spawned from that run. And I don't, I, does it, I don't know if it makes it any easier that you didn't win Game 7, but your group gave it a hell of a run, didn't they? They did, yeah, they did. It was, uh, I mean, it, it was a solid group of, of players uh, throughout the year and the le- years leading up to it. But we would come up against the, the Dallases or the Colorados, Detroit, that, that, you know, they had a few more stars, uh, uh, for whatever reason, you know, the payrolls were different Money. back then. But uh, it, it always it seemed like the team was in just about every game they played, and that's usually a sign of a, of a solid team. But it was, you know, it, it was really... It was really sad for me to go down to that dressing room after Game Seven, and it wasn't, you know, about myself as a manager because, you know, I'd fortunately I had won cups before. Just to see and thinking, man, a lot of these guys might might not ever get back there again, and might not ever win a Stanley Cup. Um, I mean, Chris Pronger went on to win the next season, of course, but uh, that that they 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 put their hearts into it and played unbelievably. Brought the city back to what we remember of the glory years of the 80s. I mean, the building was incredible. And then we saw we saw signs of it in 2017 again when when the team got back in the playoffs. So if this playoff format ever gets going, whenever it does, uh, fingers crossed that this Oiler uh, group uh, that played this season can can go a long distance and, and bring some fun back uh, to Oiler fans here in Edmonton. Fair to say, just to wrap up with Kevin Lowe, uh, you know, things didn't work out with Yakupov in 2012. I mean, maybe that wasn't the year to win the lottery, but uh, did you win the lottery? I mean, look, we know the team won the lottery with McDavid, but Leon Dreisaitl is the Art Ross Trophy winner, and we're going to have Leon on the show tomorrow. He might win the Hart Trophy. Fair to say you won the lottery in 2014 as well? (laughs) Well, you know, credit the the scouting staff with... uh, you know, being adamant about uh, Leon, and it's you know the team had had some lean years uh, on the drafting side of things, like all organizations do. Uh, yep. But anyhow, uh, not that we take that for granted, but to, to give some validation into the scouting staff. And I know there's been some turnover, but a lot of those same guys were still around. There's there's peaks and valleys in in sports business, sadly, and you know Edmonton's had a run of of it for probably longer than they deserve but uh 
um, I, you know, fortunately enough, we have guys like uh, like Connor and Leon and and Nuge and Darnell and and you know, a whole bunch. Of, there's a good group of guys there. The goaltending solid. So, fingers crossed that the playoffs, uh, the, the, this thing can happen. And uh, that the Oilers have a good long run because everybody, there's, there's been too much, uh, not enough joy in Mudville and in recent uh, recent years. So, That's looking forward stuff. to it. All right, awesome stuff, Kevin. Thank you for taking time to join us on Oilers Now. Yeah, thanks, Bob. That is uh, Hockey Hall of Famer, chairman of the Oilers Entertainment Group, Kevin Lowe, as we continue with the Champions Week replay. Now, obviously, a couple of things in there. You're probably wondering about the timeline of this. This was like the third week of May of 2020. So you're hearing some stuff in there about what the return to play was going to look like at that time. Is it not crazy how far we've come since since March, April, May of 2020 when we didn't know what the pandemic was going to have in store? And now it's about figuring out how to put the pieces together for genuine normalcy when it comes to getting fans back in the seats and all this sort of stuff for 2021-22 we're talking about now. Time is flying, at least at least from my perspective. Wild stuff. We'll wrap up that series tomorrow as we check in with Steve Smith in the Champions League, or the Champions League, the Champions Week replay. Uh, for now, we'll send it off to Eileen Bell for a global news weather traffic update. We'll be rejoined by our NHL insider, John Shannon, on the other side. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.